So, in 2015, uh, I fainted twice going to work, and I didn't really know. I was married at the time, and I, you know, most doctors they'll think maybe you're pregnant or whatever it is. So for about a period of six to nine months, they kept misdiagnosing me that I just needed to rest. I was stressed out, you know, and things like that. There was other stuff going on in my life at the time. So one told me that it was non-cancerous, but it was a tumor in the back of my head and that I have to remove it surgically. Another doctor said it's cancerous um, and it was called astrocytoma. And it's, I needed to, have um, chemo and radiation to shrink it and then possibly a surgery. I ended up not having a surgery, but I went through like a almost 12 months of chemo and radiation and it left Then it came back two months later and then I had to go through another aggressive chemo and radiation. I left my job at the time. That was January 9th, 2016. I left my job. I was just like, let me just focus on my health. So it was just me and my son for that entire period. Not having a nine to five that I was used to was part of my identity mm. to be an engineer. It was part of my identity to have a high paying job. It was part of my identity to be a wife. And it was life altering in the sense that I was now like, well, then who are you if you're not those things anymore? Hi, everyone. Welcome to Illumination. My name is Adora Mbelu, and I'm extremely passionate about helping people live a purposeful life. On this show, I'm going to be talking with so many amazing people whose journeys I hope will inspire you, will motivate you, and will empower you to do so many amazing things in this world because I believe that you were made for greatness. And so I want you to listen to all of this stuff and I want you to remind yourself that you are light. Today's guest, Amin Amin, is the co-convener of Cultivart, which fuses tech, culture, design, and art with business, entrepreneurship, and leadership at a one-day event that is designed to inspire and support future global leaders. As a founder, Amin has built and taught a thriving community of almost 30,000 dynamic creatives and professionals on the continent and in the diaspora. With just one hashtag, everything now art, Amin built a movement that fosters entrepreneurship, innovation, and intellectual growth. In addition to all the creative work that she does, Amin is also a Columbia University trained practicing engineer with over a decade of experience. Her life's work is to fully utilize her talents, thought leadership, and skills in her professional career as an engineer while building leaders via knowledge, service, and humanity through her company, Everything Now Arts. In this episode of Lumination, Amin talks about the importance of building and nurturing connections that allow you to effectively become a catalyst for great things. Amin, thank you so much for making it to the show. It's great thank to you see you. Me. You always nice look nice. So. Thank you. You, too. <laughs> you know what's interesting is, even though I said Amin, mm -hmm. I'm so used to calling you everything now art yes. when I'm talking to other people, people right? That. Because most people know you as everything now art. Right. Right, so when it's us speaking, it's a mean, but yes. then <laughs> when they speak about you outside, it's everything in art. Yep. Um, how did that name come? So what's the story behind it? So the story about everything in art is serendipitous. I just love art, I love color, I love creativity. And so I started posting things whenever I travel. Mm -hmm. I would post um, pictures 
or I would post something that I felt was inspiring and I would use the hashtag. And then people started to resonate with it and use it with me. So, and I also started to encourage people to use it yeah. whenever they were creating, whenever they felt like they saw something that was out of the ordinary and just appreciate everything as art. And right. then I added the na for purpose of acknowledging that I'm Nigerian right. without putting the flag in my bio. So, um, cause I have this joke about how there's only Nigerians in the diaspora that actually use the flag. Test it out. Most people that live here don't use, don't use the flag. They don't. So I started um, asking others to use mm -hmm. it and then it started building like a little community. Mm -hmm. And now I think it's almost at 30,000 uses. That's a in lot. just a year and a half. Yeah. So. And how yeah, do people mostly time. use it? When I check the hashtag, it's usually um, bloggers or artists. Just in different ways, actually, people that just believe that, you know, that thought, that thought pattern of that everything is art, you know, yeah. everything in life. I talked about how, you know, heartbreak is even an art, you know, going from the pain to the healing, back to feeling love again. That's an art, you mm -hmm. know, love of God is an art, you know. Another thing I think about when I think about you, right, is <laughs> your yellow pages. Yes. Do you get that a lot? Yes. I like, yes. I mean, it's a yellow pages for creative people. I, right. I actually have never heard it like that, but <laughs> yeah. thank you. Yeah. Like, I'm I feel like, you know, you put that in my bio now. <laughs> you connect. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You should, you should totally give me credit for that. I, I, I will. I will. I will. <laughs> but, but you, you, you know, you connect creative people. So yes. it's like, I feel like, you know, anytime I'm thinking about, you know, being connected to someone that I need mm -hmm. their services or something, yes. it's like, you know, somehow, I mean, comes to mind, right? As someone who connects. And at what point did you realize that, you know what, like one of my purposes in life is to connect creative people, right? And mm -hmm. to um, have them co-create, collaborate. Like at what point, where did that come from? So that's a good question. I haven't really thought too deeply about that, but um, everything that I became, the hashtag became a community mm -hmm. and it became a community through a WhatsApp group that I started. And I started it because I used to get DMs every day from companies and from creatives, like, how do I do this and how do I do that? And I used to do tutorials, but it became kind of like, they, I, I kind of got inundated with the questions on my DM. So one day I was like, you know what, let me start a WhatsApp group. And I put up a swipe up link on my Insta story. And like in 30 seconds, it filled up with like 200 and something people. Mm -hmm. And I was like, hmm, okay. So that filled up. And then people started reposting the fact that they couldn't get into the group. Mm -hmm. So it's one thing for people to repost good things, but it's another for them to like constantly post, I didn't get in, mm -hmm. ah, this is not fair. So then that created more of a demand to get in. So they kind of created this buzz for me without, I didn't really have to do anything. Next time I had a group, same thing. So I did about seven groups and then that started to build a community of creatives. and. So from the hashtag to a community, and then companies started reaching out. You know, I don't want to mention them here, but different brands, international companies would say, I'm looking for a writer. You know, is there anyone in your community? Oh yeah, I know a lot of writers. Or I'm looking for a graphic designer, or I'm looking for video people. You know, are they good? People started asking me more, less of, I need this person, but I need somebody that's quality. Do you know quality people that can do it? So then I realized like I had um, I had this thing that people were looking for that was in demand and they were like at my reach because I kind of taught them digital skills, taught them how to make money using Instagram. And I look at all of the work that you've been doing with ENA, with yeah. Cultivart, you know, which we're going to talk about. Yes. Um, and 
I just don't see it as something that you stumbled upon. Right. Like I see all the stuff that you've been doing pre those things mm-hmm. and they've been pretty intentional, right? Yes. It, it's like you saw this opportunity and you sort of, you know, started to build up on that opportunity. Yeah. But where I really want to go is like, you know, like what part of your life you know, played a role in in seeing that opportunity. Like, okay, you know, when so, what was it when you were coming back to Nigeria and you saw yeah. that? So I left Nigeria when I was two. Mm-hmm. I was fortunate enough to have a great education. I went to an Ivy League school. Mm-hmm. I had a great. I have a great career in engineering. But I noticed that when I started coming back home in 2017, it was my first time coming back home in years. You know, I left Nigeria when I was two. But a lot of people didn't have that same access that I had. Mm. I could call up a mentor and ask them questions about, maybe I wanted to go for a job at Google. I can call up my mentor and ask them questions about how they interview. And I felt like people here didn't have that access. People here get paid less. I call them, they're either under un, unemployed or underemployed. They're, they have a job, but they're not getting paid what they're worth. So I felt, I don't know, I just started to feel this innate feeling of I need to do more to help them Mm. so if I have access to certain people maybe I can give them access if I know how to give presentations maybe I can teach them how to speak and give presentations if I knew how to write a proposal I'll teach them how to do that so there's it's obvious that a lot of people here in Nigeria are less privileged than others and I don't mean financially you know we have that aspect but there's this lack of privilege in access just Mm. being able to reach out and talk to someone Mm. sometimes basic skills they didn't have you know knowing how to write knowing how to it's not that they didn't go to school but i feel like a lot of the universities here i didn't spend time in university here like i said i left as a baby but from what i'm seeing from graduates i I was really concerned how are they really being prepared for the workforce Mm. and then there's a lack of jobs that they have access to in the nine to five space. Mm. So I, I was mainly concerned with how do you create money? How do you create income for yourself or opportunities for yourself with what you know how to do? Mm. I'm really, as much as I'm saying people were disadvantaged, there are brilliant creative Nigerians here, right. like young, brilliant, you know, people that self-taught themselves how to right. make movies and they will just be posting it and sharing it and I'm like, well, these people, you don't really have to, that nine to five, you can make way more money taking in your talent and saying, you know, I'm going to do this and I know how to do it and I'm confident enough to do it. So I just felt like it was my duty to kind of one, hold a mirror in front of them and say, hey, you're actually awesome. Right. You don't need to, okay, you keep getting denied that job, but they were going to pay you 100K, for instance. Yeah. Maybe you can make a million. Right. And I would teach them how to like reverse engineer what they wanted to make every month. And so that's where that came from, just seeing that there was disadvantage and I felt like I had advantages, so let me just help out. I mean, that sort of culminated in what was now cultivar, what is yes. now cultivar, yes. right? Which I spoke at. Yes. Thank you so much for inviting me there. <laughs> and cultivar was a beautiful experience. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like, you know, you brought all these people um, in the creative space together. Mm-hmm. So you brought the people who were learning and then you brought the people who had experienced yes. um, so much amazing stuff in the creative space to come yeah. and teach and, and talk with, speak with those people. Yeah. Um, what was that process like? Because the reason I want to talk about this part is because one of the things that I've seen seen 
um, uh, you know, along your, your journey, just mm -hmm. watching you is your ability to manifest things. Mm -hmm. Like you say, you know, I'm going to do this and you don't even know where you're starting from, True. but it's like, you always say it and you always do it. I mean, recently you, you had a situation like that, right? Yes. Where you were, you'd been posting someone's song yes. and then, you know, got to meet you got him to meet him, 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 him and, and this is your story. Like yes. this is every time I, I look at your stuff, it's like, Amin says one thing yes. and somehow she gets it done. Right. So yes. what was that process for you? Like with cultivar? So cultivar actually started with me saying, you know, let's take all the people from the WhatsApp groups, all the people in the community, and let's like hang out together. And then as I'm planning that out, I'm realizing like, okay, do I really want it to just be a hangout and then we go home? Should, do we want to learn that day? Um, what do people always ask me for? Can you connect me to this person at so-and-so company, blah, blah, blah. So I decided to bring in um, experts that I felt were as experts and also people that I felt people really respected like yourself um, but i wanted to get people from industries that were empowering um your youth and also empowering them not just by saying we do but actually are you hiring them do you give them opportunities you know so um i decided you know what i'm going to make this more than a hangout mm. like people will ask me let's do a meet and greet and meet with you and i'm like there's nothing i don't agree with meet and greets in the sense that Okay, after you've met me and you've greeted me, what do we do next? So I wanted Cultivar to be um, multifaceted. I wanted it to represent what the community was about. Different people here, different strokes of people from different mm. um, parts of life. And um, I also wanted people to leave feeling like they learned something, but not in the sense of, oh, they motivated me. More of something tangible. I learned something, but when I leave here, now I have access to Adora. If yeah. I tell her I met her at Cultivar, she'll probably open my DM quicker yeah. than you know someone who's just random. So that's what that's what Cultivar was supposed to be about, and I feel like we accomplished that. I wanted um, them to feel like they had an experience to look forward to every mm -hmm. year. And yeah, the process. So okay, yeah, because because you, you, you're saying all this now, and I'm yes. like, yeah, that's all that's well and good, but like, yeah, that will happen behind the scenes because I can yes. imagine like it's not easy. Yes. putting something like that it together. Is a, it was my first time doing it, so the vision came to reality. Cool, but in between that, it was a mess, a hot mess. You know, it was, you know, I reached out to brands. Um, I started planning. We thought about it last year, September, mm -hmm. 2018. I reached out to brands like as early as January. We didn't know how to reach out. When I say me, we, it's myself and Mofe, my partner. We didn't, um, you know, we've never reached out to brands before, even though I taught people how to do it, but I'm talking about big brands, banks and things like that. It was uh, it was humbling experience. The first brand I reached out to, I'm not gonna, I, ca I can't say their name. So the first brand, brand I reached out to, you know, said yes verbally. And then when I sent the proposal, just a little bit of, hmm, okay, we'll get back to you. And then there was a no. And the no wasn't a blanket no. It was a, we'll do it next year. Let's see how this kind of works out. And I kept getting that. So I realized that in Nigeria, they want to see you succeed first and then help you. Not help you succeed, but they want to see that it's success and then attach themselves to that. So that was humbling for me because it was painful. It was like on their website, they would say they support this and they support that. And this is, I'm giving you exactly that. And I truly like mean this. It's not that I'm doing it for fluff. Mm. So it was really hurtful. At first, I took it very personal. And then the first month, I kind of said, let's just do the hangout. Let's not make it what I, what mm. I thought it would mm. be. 
and then I feel like God kept nudging me like no you're just gonna keep going so that no I took that no and then I I kind of went back to my proposal and said okay what is it that I really want from them so I approached another brand that was similar to the first brand I said no and they didn't just say yes they said yes and we want this and we want to do this right. and we'll give you so this. that's trying again you know yes. versus just telling yourself that one case okay, person says work. no and it's not going to work exactly you kept trying and that has been a an, another key part of you know the way that you do things yes. the relationships that you build yes, I really um, and how you connect with people yes. and i want to talk about um, something that I saw on your Instagram, right? Mm -hmm. So you sort of like have you have this adopted family, so to speak, yes. um, that you know you sort of share from time to time. Mm -hmm. You you came into Nigeria and you met them. Yes. How did that happen? Can you tell me about? It? They literally live in the bush, and they built like a makeshift house. I don't want to get emotional about this, but this family is so happy, mm. and that that's what drew me to them. They, you know, when we we sit in our house. And we'll complain there's no light and stuff like that. But you have a house. There's other people who are sitting in their car because they don't have a house. And they're sleeping in their car. But they have a car. There's somebody else complaining that they only have one leg. Somebody else has no legs. So I'm very, I'm very, as much as I like color and life and everything, I'm very observant about my surroundings. Mm -hmm. So I'm not the Gucci bag girl. Mm. I like to dress cute, but I'm not. I don't, material things don't really matter to me. So when I see people like that, I'm drawn to them before anybody else. Right. Because I want to know why they're still smiling in the midst of lack. Yeah. You know, and these people literally live in the bush. They're snakes going by their children every day. And they have three children. The children are so happy. Mm. The children are always smiling. They're coming from school and they're in their uniform and they are happy to come home. And they don't know that next to them are mansions and like big homes that people have paid a lot of money for. Mm -hmm. And they see it, but they don't care. I need that kind of energy because it also humbles you. And it really, it gives me life. And it makes me, you know, always remember to remember where you came from. A lot of us are very, very fortunate. And so it also brings back to like everything that I, and what I'm trying to do is the fact that, you know, a lot of us, some of us grew up, you know, very fortunate. Some of us didn't. But you can also be the owner of your story. Right. You don't have to stay in that if you don't want to. You know, the Gambo family, I've asked them, you know, what do you want? And they're like, um, they never ask me for money, nothing. Like, they right. just go, I don't know, do you want to bring us Ribena? You know, it's just so right. simple. And I, I love that about their life. I love that about their family. They're full of joy. And it just brings you back to what I feel like God, He when he created all of us, we we're all naked. Mm. But we added these things, we added these layers to ourselves, and some of our problems are because of the layers that we added. And these people just are just are living. expressive. Yes, of who and they they're are. just, they're proud of who they are. Right. There's, they don't see you and say, oh, I'm not confident. There's, their confidence doesn't go anywhere, right. even in the midst of somebody else that has abundance. So, yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's the gumbo. Yeah. I mean, that's a beautiful story because I've yeah. seen, I've seen images. You, you go back every time you every come time. to Nigeria, you go and you spend time. time with them. Yeah. And it's always a beautiful sight to every see time. how the kids react yes. to you, to your presence. I know that, you know, you weren't raised in Nigeria. Mm -hmm. um, you were raised in the States. Yes. Uh, you come back home quite often, more yeah. often now. You're always talking about, you're pro-Africa, you're pro-Nigeria. Mm -hmm. You're always talking about um, the things that you 
learn from here and try not to um, paint Africa in like that one single story, yeah. right? Um, and where where does that it, where does that passion for for your homeland come from? The reason why I'm a big advocate for Africa and everything is because it's who I am. You know, I'm African mm. and I'm Nigerian and I'm a Nigerian that left Nigeria and went and experienced life in America, went to school in America, got called African booty scratcher like everybody else. So there's a sense of when people used to call me African booty scratcher, my comeback was, but if something would happen to America today, you have nowhere to go. Where are you going? <laughs> right. Like, at least I know I have somewhere to go. And I'll jokingly say, where you're going to go down south, you know, that's it. Because the African-American experience was different and they didn't really have an attachment to Africa. Things are different now, years, yeah. na years later. But um, Africa is amazing. We have, we're not, we're not monotone there's not one african there's not one nigerian right. look at you look at me you know there's there's so much variety in us there's so much variety in the way we think the way we grew up the way we move the what the things we appreciate like people find it fascinating that you know i'm talking to the gambo family i think it's normal i do that in america too i just want to connect with everybody i don't care what your background is i think that people have this picture of africa I used to get asked, do you speak African? Mm. And every time was an opportunity for me to educate someone. Basic, you know, we, there's, no, there's no African, but there's Africans, and that's in South right. Africa. And I used to educate people, you know, there's no, we don't speak Nigerian, there's nothing like that. This is what we have, you know. Or people will say just the three tribes, Igbo, Hausa, and, and Yoruba. And I'll say, but we have Edo people, and we have yeah. people from Delta. So I'm just, I'm in love with, I'm happy that I was born in Africa. I'm happy that I'm Nigerian. Does it come with pitfalls? Yes. But the same thing with America as well. So I just think it's important to keep that culture yeah. and educate people where you can. I, I went to school in the States, yes. you know, and I was very big on making sure that I'm continuously talking yes. about where I come from, mm -hmm. but also not talking about it in the context of just the continent, exactly. um, but rather the country and the culture exactly. that you've actually experienced, experienced. You know, getting people to understand that. Mm -hmm. So I totally feel you yes. on that. Um, now you deal with a lot of creative people, obviously, mm -hmm. you know, with the tribe and with everything else that you're doing, mm -hmm. what would you say, you know, is one of the biggest challenges that you see, you know, amongst creative people? in this space um, one of the big challenges within them yeah. or that they, that, that they no within them i think not knowing and how do you think they can overcome it okay i think not knowing their worth mm. not knowing or having confidence in what they can achieve i think that also growing up in nigeria from what i've experienced with people we we and they i can say we because i'm here too but Sometimes we, I don't think we can see past Nigeria mm. and see what we have to offer past Nigeria. You know, start looking at yourself as your own brand and you can go past these borders, you know, even if you can't leave the country. With the internet, with digital spaces, you know, you can be right here in Nigeria creating and one day Vogue can say, come Mm. and do our cover. We love your work that you've done with street photography in Nigeria. We love that documentary you did. We love your podcast. We want to support you. Mm. So you can actually leave the country without a visa if you just leave that mental state of being enslaved in one space. Mm. And I think a lot of people, their dream is to just 
leave Nigeria, but you can leave Nigeria without leaving Nigeria. You, there's so much opportunity now that people in our parents' generation didn't have, where the internet, there's no borders. Right. We, we all got to, I met you on the internet, right. and then we decided to meet in person. Right. So there's really no borders, and I think once you think of your life as borderless, then you you may start to leave literally with the visa, but you don't have to lock yourself into this. Uh, I grew up this way, so I know I can, nothing can change. No, so I think we enslave ourselves a lot with the way we think, and we kind of trap ourselves first before anybody else says no. We kind of trap ourselves there first. So I think the problem is confidence and and knowing that like you're actually doing well. You know, have you tried? Yeah. Sometimes people will say. I, I'm not going to get this opportunity. Did you apply? No, I didn't. So how do you know you're not going to get it? And even if you apply, you say no. So it's like we say no to ourselves first we before anyone no else first. says no. We literally tell ourselves no. How do you how do you think people can overcome that? You know, like what has worked for you? I still say no to myself. You know, right. my my dream job. Yes. I I went to an Ivy League school, right? And the the premise is that. I'm supposed to get anything I want, and that's not true. And I had an opportunity come up in like January, like literally like here, take, and I didn't apply, imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. I told myself, ah, no, it's only for computer engineers, I'm mechanical, I have electrical background, so no, 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 it's not for me. They, they, I will get there, but I, I won't stay there. The job, maybe they'll fire me. And I just didn't apply. Came up again in March, and somebody literally messaged me on LinkedIn, and said, I've been watching what you're doing. I'm a manager at Google. I want, th they have this referral program mm. where if somebody refers you, you, you click on the link and you get, your resume gets pushed up before right. other people because they're saying a Googler said this person right, recommended awesome. you. Same thing happened in March. I just let it, it, it lasts for 30 days. I just let it die. Why do we do that to ourselves? And then eventually one day I applied by myself and I got, first interview, second, third, and right now I'm in the process, right? But I said no to myself countless times of how should we do it like this, should we? I wanted it so perfect. Right. Every day we tell ourselves no indirectly, oh, I'm not good enough for that, this person will be better for it. So I think that the way to combat it is to honestly just try. Mm. I don't have the magic wand, but you have to just try. You can't, I don't know who said this, but the, the worst shots in life are the ones you didn't take or something mm. like that. The ones you missed or the, the worst ones are the ones you never took. Mm. So how do you know you're going to fail at it without, take, without taking that challenge? Right. And then also embracing failure. You have to embrace it. It's yeah. so important. I have failed in many things in my life. And when I look back, I'm like, okay, I'm glad that happened. I wouldn't have learned how to do this. If they didn't say no to me in the beginning of cultivar, I wouldn't have made sure that all my letters were on point. Right. Every speaker said yes. Or if I didn't get rejection letters from schools, you know, would I have applied to this school? If I didn't get rejection letters for certain jobs, would I have applied for other jobs? Right. You know, so I think embracing failure and knowing that you're going to, you may fail, but embracing it quickly and saying, okay, Cool, that happened. You ever fail at something and then, or something didn't happen, but then you get another opportunity like, ah, if I had taken yeah. this, you know, that's, yeah. that happens to me over yeah. and over in my life. You know? And then you realize that, you know, the opportunity that you didn't take 
wasn't necessarily meant for you exactly. at that point. Exactly. I mean, you tried it, right? But you know, you you realize that you know yeah. this other opportunity um, that I took was the right one for me. Yeah. But I think even for you to get that second opportunity, you have to have made a decision that you're not going to let let the no first from one. the first one right. stop you. Right. from from trying it again right. right and and failure isn't always the no sometimes you get the job and you don't do your best right sometimes you get that gig or that contract and you didn't do your best mm. or the client wasn't happy and then what do you do with that do you take it and curse them out or do you say okay i'm gonna i did this take a you know more of like a forensic view of mm. yourself mm. and say okay, how do I do this better next mm. time? And I think that's so important. Mm. Just as much as you win, you need to take stock of your failures and why. We're not honest with ourselves sometimes. Mm. You know, sometimes we we will blame others, but we know, you know, deep, you may vocally blame others, but deep down, you know that, you know, say you didn't put your 100% into that thing. Mm. So I think also taking stock into, like, am I actually really giving my best? Absolutely. Are you truly, because I know sometimes me as a human being, there's times where I know, there's some jobs you do, you know you didn't have to give your best and, you, and they're happy with it. <laughs> right. But you know in your heart, like, right. you're I not mean, showing you up fully. You're not in that situation. Coming up, you're not fully presenting yourself. Right. Yeah. So, I know you travel a lot with yes. How old is he now? He's going to be five. Five. Yes. Um, so you travel with him a lot, but... More importantly, I, I also saw that, you know, you take him to a lot of your events. So you yes. take him to conferences you speak at, you take him to meet with some of the people you're networking with. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's beautiful to see that mm -hmm. because I feel like, you know, he's learning mm -hmm. from that experience. You know, yeah. why did you decide to do that? And, you know, how has, what has the impact been with that? So mm -hmm. what have you seen change, you know, yeah. within him um, from that experience? So there's two sides. The, let me be as real as possible. Right. Sometimes I have no choice, right. and I have to take him, or else I'll miss the opportunity. Right. And sometimes it's it's hard. Um, as far as you know, bringing. So how did you get comfortable doing that? If, if I just decided that I'm gonna bring him, and as long as they're okay with it, I would ask them in advance, "Can I bring him?" If they say no, I just don't go. Unfortunately, if I if I don't have another option. If they say, yes, I bring him and I bring him fully and I tell him what I'm going for, sometimes he may not understand, but he remembers. He'll tell me, remember that conference we went to, mommy, and you spoke on stage about... And I, I feel like he says it with this glee, like he's proud of me. Mm. And I want him to be proud of me, you know? So I take him sometimes because I have no choice, and then other times I take him because I want him to learn. Aya's always been around adults. He is probably only around children in school. Mm. But he's had, that's why he's so well spoken to, because he hears adults speaking. And he's at the age now, the very curious age, where he remembers conversations. So now I have to be careful about what I bring him around. But yeah, I made a conscious decision because um, my parents growing up, they always had like two or three jobs. Mm -hmm. I don't remember really, they raised us, but I don't remember really like experiencing their world. Mm -hmm. They will be in our world at home, but I don't remember like, other than where they worked and stuff like that. I don't know what my mom was really into or my dad, except that my mom loved to travel. So I knew that. I didn't really get to travel with her growing up. So I wanted, I decided that anything I missed out on as a kid with my parents, mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure that he experiences that. You know, so when I travel, I take him with me. He remembers these trips. Mm -hmm. He, I love hearing him tell people, 
oh, I've been to Paris, mm. I've been to Spain, mm. I've been to this. And, I'm, and I laugh and I'm like, wow, so he remembers it. Because then at least I feel like the ticket money didn't go to waste. <laughs> right. <laughs> he actually remembers it. I thought I would have to show him pictures later. So I just want him to feel, mm. I want him to feel like he's my friend and that I'm taking him along my journey. Um, he also experiences the tough times mm. and he will encourage me as a child. He'll, he'll say like, mommy, it's okay. It's okay, mommy. Even right. though I'm like, do you know what I'm going complaining through, about? Right. Go- and he will say things and I'm like, wow, you, 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 we really underestimate how perceptive they are and how intelligent they are. Yeah, because so, you yeah. took him as well to meet the Gambo yeah. family, I, right? Yeah, I, I wanted him to meet the Gambo family because he's never seen anything like that. Mm-hmm. You know, again, the same way I grew up in America and there's things I didn't experience, mm-hmm. I, you can also decide, no, I want you to see some hardship. You know, some people are like, oh, no, I want my child to have a better life than I did. But having a better life also has better understanding. So mm-hmm. the first time I took him around them, he just froze and he goes, but they don't have a house. Mm-hmm. What, they live in the bush. And I said, so? Mm-hmm. And he goes, but I don't like that. And I said, why don't you like that? And he said, because if they don't have a house, where are we going to play? Right. And if, they, if we have nowhere to play, what do I need to do there? But this is also conversation that builds intelligence with a child mm. and builds understanding. So it's not that you beat your child because they said they don't want to relate with a family. You have to explain to them. Now, if I didn't take that opportunity to explain, I feel like he'll grow up thinking I'm better than those people. Mm. And I explained to him, yes, you have a house. This is where you live, and this is where they live. It looks different from where you live. He started understanding. I asked him to greet them. He didn't want to. He didn't want them to hug him. He told me that he felt they were dirty, mm. and I had to sit privately outside when I, when I left with them. Mm. I talked to him and had a real conversation because we, these children are experiencing life as we are, but a lot of times we don't stop to explain things to them. Mm. Is he bad? Is he a bad kid for saying that? No, he's just making an observation. Right? Yeah. yeah. So I explained to him and also through action. If he thinks they're dirty, but his mom is hugging them, mm. next time he'll hug. And that's exactly what happened. Mm. I hug them. I don't see them as dirty. They're actually clean. Their clothes may not look as shiny as yours, mm. but they're clean. So he, next time he saw them, same thing. He didn't really want to connect. He just said hi. And then the next time he saw them, I just left him on the side and I was playing with them hugging, carrying them, he gets jealous. So when I carried the youngest child, he you know, said, mommy, I want her. So I said, okay, but I'm hugging her, so you have to wait. Then he hugged them. And that's through understanding. Yeah. That's through love in action. He I saw that. that. He love saw that in action. action. Yeah, <laughs> it's, not, it's not just, oh, I like them, I'm saying yeah. it. He saw that, like, okay, my mom says they're, they're nice. But is she saying they're nice, forcing me to hug them and then walking away, or is she actually relating with them? Right. Anytime I go see them, mosquitoes bite me all over the place because they're out. Like, it's the wilderness, yeah. pretty much. So teaching him that is very important to me. I don't, I don't want him to ever grow up mm. knowing... I'm not going to force hardship on him if it's not there. You know, so people do that. Like, I'll purposely make them walk mm. five miles to school just because I want to... No, I want him to grow up with understanding yeah. and love for everyone. So the diversity yes, of, is important. of that. Yes. And not just diversity in looks, but we all have different backgrounds, yeah. you know, religions. Yeah. My parents are Muslim. I'm not. All my siblings are Muslim. When my son goes to my parents' house, he comes back. Like, if he's there for, like, a weekend, right. he literally comes back and wants to do salat. Right. Because he watches my parents do it. 
and then I have to, and when I talk about Jesus with him, mm. he loves Jesus, right? He understands that. But then he'll ask me, like, how come grandma prays to the floor? Right. And I said, well, she's Muslim. I have to explain that. We, we forget that we need to explain because yeah. they can get confused. Yeah. And I see him, like, trying to, he tried to do salat one day. And I thought it was cute, you know. I was like, "Oh, so you?" Because that's how I grew up watching my parents. Yeah, I, and I mean that that this is a great example of what you said before, yeah. which is the love in action, yes. right? Is is yes, you know, being able to um, teach the people around us, you know, that tolerance, that love, mm-hmm. regardless of of backgrounds exactly. and regardless of um, your cultures, differences mm-hmm. in cultures, and and all that. And I mean. Ultimately, that's what life is about, that's right? It's it that harmony, that unity, that. being able to do things together. Mm-hmm. So, so talking about doing things together, um, when you think about Cultivart, right, and you think about um, the Everything Now Art Tribe mm-hmm. and all of the amazing work you're doing with that, like, where do you see it going? You know, so what is what is the thing? What what is where is it going in your mind? What do you see these people creating together? So. I recently thought about this and I just want it to be a domino ripple effect. Mm-hmm. I want the same way I'm helping people in action. I want every person in that community to say, okay, you know what, I'm going to do this too. That's what I want. I want a bunch of people that are like I mean, but in their own way to just keep doing that. And I feel like that will spread, not to sound all lofty and mm-hmm. dreamy, but that's literally what I want. And it's happening. I see it all the time. I see people from the community making their own classes, teaching people. I see people from the community saying, okay, I know how to do cinematography. I'm going to teach this course. I'm going to charge for it. And then I see people that leave those courses and go and do it. So I feel like I just want to spread a bunch of seeds everywhere. Mm -hmm. What do I think about it business-wise? I just feel a lot of, I'm I'm getting a lot of opportunities with brands to teach their staff and, you know, just support us financially hopefully next year we get to see you see that manifested mm-hmm. but beyond the business side like i've i've learned how to do business on my own since i was a kid so that's not the problem like i really truly want um to look back and say when i came to nigeria two three four five years ago these people didn't really have a platform or an avenue and look at what we've done not just me but like i planted a seed they planted a seed another mm. one has planted a seed that's all i want that's all i want my legacy to be is so, to so look what, back a catalyst and, that's it. <laughs> that's what you call it right catalyst, not an influencer yes a catalyst not not an influencer what's the difference yes. i feel like um i feel like there is a difference in the way and manner not to be negative mm. but Influencer these days, like people say you're an influencer and I ask them why, why do you say, oh, you influence me to do this. And I'm like, okay, that, that's what I want. I don't want, I would never want to be the hashtag ad person Mm. when the ad has nothing to do with what I feel my purpose is. If the ad, if you see hashtag ad for me by God's grace is like Apple or somebody, you know, something that, not that any brand is better, but just, it has to connect right. i find it difficult to connect with influencers who i feel if, if i'm looking at what you're doing and i can literally tell that it's for the paycheck right it it, it does something where i kind of get tune you out because it's like okay i'm happy you're getting paid but it's like but it's not aligned this with doesn't even match really what are. you're saying you know last week you just said this it's not that we can't change we're dynamic people but if you saw me randomly just like post a Range Rover on my feed mm. and said, 
you know, you know, hashtag ad Ranger. It, it, it doesn't connect with anything that I'm about mm. or what I, at least what I'm projecting myself to be about. So I just think that it's, it's our duty to be more conscious of that. Do what you want, make your money, you know, but then just say that like, oh, I'm here to make my coins, you know, and that's fine. But I feel like a catalyst is someone who may not necessarily be interested in the funds, but really truly wants to make a change, you know. Mm -hmm. Being a catalyst in an enzyme reaction, a catalyst causes other things to occur. That's it. Mm -hmm. It's not like I'm, it's, it's not anything fancy. It's just, it's a catalyst is causing other things to happen. Mm. So if I teach people stuff and then they get they to do things from there, each one, fine. teach one. That's it. That's that's why. I want to talk about something. It yes. might be a little bit sensitive, but I feel like, you know, again, we've had a lot of conversations off camera. Yes. And I feel like it definitely played a significant role in mm -hmm. what I would call your awakening, so, mm -hmm. so to speak, yeah. right? Um, and and it's it's the fact that you know you went through a period that was trying for you medically, yeah. right? Um, I know that you beat cancer. Yes, brain cancer, uh, which I think, you know, is is a it's an amazing story on its own. But I really just want to talk about, you know, what impact that had on your life, mm -hmm. you know, and and that awakening process. Yeah. So, in 2015, uh, I fainted twice going to work and. I didn't really know. I was married at the time. And I, you know, most doctors, they'll think maybe you're pregnant or whatever it is. So for about a period of six to nine months, they kept misdiagnosing me that I just needed to rest. I was stressed out, you know, and things like that. There was other stuff going on in my life at the time. So finally, I saw like, I seeked a third and a fourth opinion. So one told me that it was non-cancerous, but it was a tumor in the back of my head that I have to remove it surgically. Another doctor said it's cancerous um, and it was called astrocytoma. And it, I needed to have um, chemo and radiation mm -hmm. to shrink it and then possibly a surgery. I ended up not having a surgery, but I went through like a, almost 12 months of chemo and radiation. And it left, then it came back two months later. And then I had to go through another aggressive chemo and radiation. I left my job at the time. That was January 9th, 2016. I left my job. I was just like, let me just focus on my health. So it was just me and my son for that entire period. And for not having a nine to five that I was used to, it was part of my identity mm. to be an engineer. It was part of my identity to have a high paying job. It was part of my identity to be a wife. And it was life altering in the sense that I was now like, well then who are you if you're not those things anymore? What are you, who are you if you're not an engineer or not working as an engineer? And so for a year, I just traveled with my son. I had the money, I had savings, so I traveled. After I finished my treatment, I was good, thank God. And I'm still clean, I, I said clean, but clear to this day. I've never used drugs, sorry. Okay, so um, the for a year I traveled with my son just to kind of, I was depressed. Mm -hmm. I was really, really skinny compared to like my normal weight. So I didn't want people to see me. I just wanted to go away, like literally just disappear. So I traveled with him throughout Europe and we went to Nigeria a couple of times. I was still scared to travel to other African countries. Now looking back, I wish I wasn't as nervous, but um, I traveled around Europe for him, with him for like a year. We would 
literally be home for like two weeks then go 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 and because he was like two two and a half it was easy because he wasn't like in formal school so a lot of times when people saw me traveling and they're thinking like oh she's having the time of her life those pictures were just pretty but like i was really battling feeling very depressed and feeling worthless mm. like you know everything just went down the drain you know everything that i worked for was just gone and um it made me also realize that I was very talented and that I knew how to make money and I knew how to take care of myself despite any titles and all of that. It also helped me awaken, you know, that, you know, when your your back is against the wall, I feel like we've all been there in our life. And then that beast comes out of you. That's like, I'm going to fight, you know, and it awakened that in me. And so I also see life very differently now. I was never an arrogant person like you know that thought i was better than anybody but it's even more like i'm just yeah i to the point where i see people differently the things i see in people i want to help people helping people sometimes hurts me in the end but like i have this i just feel like god gave me a second lease on life and or maybe he knew all along i was gonna live but from my perspective it's like i was supposed to die Mm. but i'm still here so it's that cliche story of like, I was supposed to die, I'm still here, let me just live it to the fullest. But outside of it being cliche, it's just, I just feel like as long as I'm breathing, I can't, I can't let, it's not just myself, I can't let myself down, I can't let my son down, mm-hmm. and I can't let God down. I feel like there's so much he wants me to do for people. So it made me more selfless. Mm-hmm. It made me more calm. When I see people arguing about stuff, I'm the person that's like, well, for what? What are we? And I hate to mention it, but I'll be like, look, I had brain cancer. This is nothing. Like, this is not anything to be fighting over. It made me try to get to the point of forgiveness in many areas of my life. Just forgiving people. I used to be very much, you know, this person offended me. Not that I'm fighting them, but just like, okay, you stay over there and I stay over here. That's not what life is about, you know. I've also learned that relationships are so important. Right. You know, you're in a room, and I've seen people mention someone's name, and everybody's with disgust on their look, on their face. I don't want to be that person. You know, I want people to say, wow, yes, we should have her in the room. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that experience really broke me. Um, it's funny, because I usually I can't talk about it, and I would cry, mm-hmm. but I, I always say, like, I don't feel like I have any more tears left like that. Once in a while I'll cry, but it's usually something that maybe I just remember a really tough moment. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I used to cry. I cried every day. Like even that year, I cried every single day. There was no day I used that I didn't cry. And I would travel just literally to get away. And I would cry while I'm in beautiful Paris. I'll post a picture of us in Paris, but I was crying in mm-hmm. the picture, but it's far away. It was very painful. Um, very introspective period of my life where I just said, you know, what, who, who are you really? Mm. And, and I think that that question is something I still ask myself now, you know, who are you mm. and what exactly are you doing here? Yeah. And some days, you know, the answer, some days you're not so sure, but yeah, that was, um, I think that's why I'm really close to, a lot of mothers are close to their children, but I feel like me and him have a different kind of bond because he as young as he was, when I used to cry, I would try to hide it from him, but he would always come and say, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Even if I didn't know if he knew what I was going through, but I feel like God always used to use him 
as an instrument to remind me that everything is okay. So sometimes when you see me take him out at night to a party, to somebody is like, ooh, what kind of mom takes their kid to a party? Like I went to Rwanda with him. I took him out because there's no way to leave him. We were visitors, right? I took him out and to them it's like, oh, what are you doing? That's a child. To me, it's like, I'm just going out. We're going to enjoy this life together right. all the way. Right. So understanding people and why they do the things they do is very important. You see a mom and you're like, the kid shouldn't be out at night. Or should I leave him in the hotel room by himself? Somebody may do that. So um, Ayo is my, his name means joy. And he's literally like, he's Your joy. Yeah, he literally is. Yeah, he's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much Thank for you. sharing that. No I'm 100% sure that the people who are listening to this, yeah. you know, will hear this. And um, hopefully, you know, it will it will help them put that love in action. Yes. This is like yes. this has been a brilliant conversation Thank with you. you. And I, I, you know, I definitely took away a lot. I took yes. away a lot of um, wise nuggets that yeah. I will definitely apply as well. Right now, where can people find you online? Because I feel like everyone's going to listen to you and be like, who's this Amin <laughs> and everything that art and want to find her. So tell, tell us where we can find you. Um, so I'm on Instagram yeah. at everything na arts. That's everything N A then A R T. Same thing on Twitter. And then I'm on LinkedIn at I mean I mean. So LinkedIn slash in slash A M I N A M E E N on LinkedIn. I don't really I don't I'm not on Facebook. Yeah, so Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram. Awesome. That's where you can find me. Awesome. Thank you so much, Thank Amin. You. It was a lovely conversation. Thanks for being on the show. What's Thank up, you. Lumination Tribe? Subscribe to this channel for more insightful and impactful learning. Check out our website, luminaworld.com, for show episodes, resources, and events. Let's continue this journey of growth. <laughs>